Right, Cube listeners, you're very welcome to today's podcast. We are delighted to be joined by the head of employee experience from Plumtech, Rachel O'Shea. Rachel, you are very welcome. Thank you very much, Carl. Deli- delighted to be here. Rachel, how are you? I'm good. A bit miserable out. And I know Irish people tend to always go to the weather for the conversation starters. But uh, yeah, it's milling down, definitely coming into the uh, the depths of winter. But uh, still smiling, so can't be too bad. <laughs> smiling, lashing rain in Dublin here as well, uh, Rachel. So diving straight in, Rachel, to the important pieces. How was Las Vegas? It was amazing. Yeah. So um, we attended Money 2020 last week. So um, big fintech conference and my first time in Vegas, actually. Um, So managed to get some sightseeing in, but uh, obviously it was quite a hectic work week. Um, But glad to be back into a routine. Vegas is um, another world, (laughs) to say the least. Well, great. Welcome back. I haven't been to Vegas myself. It's certainly on the uh, on the bucket list. I'll do it. To go there. And and Rachel, what about um the fact that you were interviewing Formula One stars? How was yes, that? Yes, yes. So um, for anyone that doesn't know, Transformate, uh, one of Cluntech's companies and one of Ireland's most recent tech unicorns, might I get that in? Um, we sponsor the Has F1 team. So we were lucky enough to have Kevin, actually Kevin Magnuson. Sorry for anyone. We're we're on first name basis Kevin. now, Carl. Yeah, Kevin me and Kevin. Um, but we were lucky enough to have Kevin Magnuson, um, one of the Has drivers at the stand um last week. So um I think I was probably the the envy of a lot of people. People I got to do a Q&A with them um, got a selfie, of course, as well. Had to, had to get that in. But um, yeah, look, absolute gent, like, you know, and definitely one of those kind of career defining moments, I think, where you're like, oh, my God, hello, <laughs> who, who am I? This, you know, this man is used to much more professional interviewers. So um, definitely an experience. I'm sure it went great, Rachel. Looking forward to kind of when is the episode out? Is it out in a few weeks? Um, it'll yeah, it'll be out in a few weeks. So um, yeah, we um we did it. It's a really really intimate setting, and the the questions were quite varied. Everything from you know Kevin becoming a dad to his actual kind of driving, um, driving style and preferences. So um, yeah, keep an eye on clean tech and transformate social medias. And um, if people don't get fed up with me after listening to this podcast, that is. <laughs> Not at all. We'll we'll check we'll check that out. So so I guess for our listeners, um, Rachel, your own career to date and uh, and a bit about who Clune Tech are. Yeah, so um, I'm a Waterford woman, born and bred, educated in Waterford. Um, obviously WIT recently rebranded to SETU. Um, I've a bit of a random background in that. I suppose I I got to a point when I finished my undergrad where I didn't know where I was going to go and I didn't know where my experience would get or how my experience would get me there. Um, So my background is actually in events, marketing and radio, (laughs) funnily enough. Um, And I suppose when they all came together, I was offered the role of engagement and communications um, executive for Cluntech. And yeah, that was four years ago um, since October. So four years going strong um, and definitely you know, wouldn't change it. It's very much the type of role that encompasses everything. Um, I try to describe my role as, you know, I help people to like their jobs um, and I help to ensure that we are a great place to work so that we can then tell the world we're a great place to work. So very much the full 360. Um, but Cluntech, look, we're a really, really interesting and Irish um, organisation. We have about eight different companies in the group. So our overarching goal or mission is to make business better 
for our customers. So we offer everything from, you know, cross-border payments to global payroll. We've got a marketing agency in the group as well. Um, and it's just really dynamic. You know, it all stemmed from taxback.com, which was our first company um, founded in 96. And every company in the group, you know, was very much led by that company CEO, but then our overall group CEO and founder, Terry Clune. So very much a hands-on company. Um, you know, we've 1,500 staff now, but I think there still is very much that kind of startup feel where, um, you know, we've got such an incredible team that are all kind of willing to step in where, where needed. So, um, yeah, about 400 staff in Ireland, 1,000 in Bulgaria, and then you'll find us everywhere, um, Peru, Mexico, Australia, the U.S., um, so a really, really nice uh, geographic spread as well. That's great. Thanks, thanks, Rachel. And and in terms of part of your role, obviously supporting Cluentech on the Great Place to Work journey. Cluentech seven years is a great place to work. Best workplaces for women on the best workplace for women's list. Best workplace for tech. Yeah. Um, and and you know what's been really cool is is kind of seeing how Cluentech listen to the data and make improvements year on year, which is really great to uh, to see. So congratulations on, on that. In in terms of the background, just just so events marketing radio, um I guess there's some useful traits there, right? Are useful yeah. sort of crossover traits that in turn in terms of the employee experience piece? Yeah, definitely. I think look, obviously marketing is a lot of what marketing is, is comms, right? It's communicating. And whether that's selling a product or selling ourselves as an employer, that might come out a little bit wrong. Um, but, you know, I think for me, the way I view our employees is they're our customers. Um, and one of the biggest learnings, I suppose, over the last couple of years, and I'm sure you'll agree, um, is that the relationship between an employee and an employer is gone much less transactional, right? So, um and I say many years ago, it's not, it's a couple of years ago, you went to work, you got your paycheck and that was that. Whereas now it's a lot more two-way, you know, so employees now expect a level of an experience, I suppose, you know, my title is employee experience. Um, you know, we're paying them for their skills and their expertise and the experience they have gained over the years. But then we need to now be in a position to give them something. So I think, yeah, like I laugh, to be honest, because I remember finishing college. I did a very brief stint in radio sales and absolutely hated it. Um, people think if you can talk, you're good at sales. It's not the case. Um, but, you know, when I got approached about this role, I kind of went, oh, my God. Like the, it, it kind of was that like moment of enlightenment where everything I had ever done up until that point kind of came together and presented itself in this role that, um, you know, I, I still feel is very much made for me. And um, I hope that my team would agree with me as well. Um, but yeah, look, no two days are the same. And I think being able to see the impact um, that myself and the team have, and like you said, you know, seven years recognized as one of Ireland's best workplaces. And um, it took a lot of work to get to where we are. And it's taking a lot of work to remain um, in that list as well. Obviously, other employers are gone a lot more competitive as well. So um, yeah, it's it's a journey. Absolutely. And, and and in terms of that journey piece, we're, we're, we're working on an infographic case study at the moment. Yes. Quite soon, which will just help our listeners to kind of see that journey that that, that Clean Tech have gone on. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Over the last number of years. So marketing is communications. I completely agree. I also completely agree that you have to sell your culture and, <laughs> and you have to sell yourself as an employer internally and externally. Um, yeah. So. so so it's it's good to be able to say it. I know we're through the certainly the worst of it, but sort of so we 
coming out of COVID, right? Um, any sense, Rachel, as to sort of top three learnings for you and Cluntech sort of post-COVID? Yeah, and it's it's so weird to say post-COVID. Are we post-COVID? And, you know, there's that whole debate of the now, the future. Um, I think, look, first and foremost, kind of touching on my last point, but be human. Um, I think one of the biggest things we've learned is is the importance of being human and that's in everything that's in your policies it's in your communications you know we've taken a much more human approach to just everything we do um and you know I think like I said about the relationship kind of evolving between employer and employee I don't think that evolution can happen successfully if employers don't take a more human approach um, I think second point is definitely do what works for you. Um, and I think this is really important, especially probably for some of the companies on the, the smaller list um, for Ireland's great, uh, great workplaces or best workplaces. Um, you know, we got caught up, I think, for a very long time comparing ourselves to, um, you know, the Googles, the Ebays, the Meta, obviously previously Facebook. Um, and I think you have to be realistic with the resources that you have as an employer, right? No one has the the magic ingredients. No one has, you know, the secret key to success, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think it's about looking at, okay, what you have in terms of the people, in terms of, you know, your tools, your internal comms platforms. I'm a big advocate for WorkVivo. Anyone that knows me knows I am. Um, but whatever you have available to you, use that and then do what works best for you. And, you know, try and avoid comparing yourselves to the kind of unreachable companies that have, you know, I was at a, an event recently and Nike were talking and it is Nike. They settled the debate, Nike or Nike, it's Nike. Um, but they were chatting about their, um, you know, their employee experience. And it would be so easy for me to sit there and go, wow, oh my God, I'm going to do all of that. You can't, right? They've got 84,000 staff globally. Um, they've got Serena Williams as a brand ambassador. So they've got like a team of 10 who are just pushing out content internally from her. That's all about being a pro athlete and, you know, how you can challenge yourself. So again, there's no point in me even considering that we could do that. Um, I did warn you I might go off on a bit of a tangent. Um, but I think, look, the, the last one and arguably the most important is listen to your people. And um, so I mentioned my background is in marketing. I very much look at my employees as my customers, right? Um, I had a radio show for, uh, for a brief stint um, when I was in college. And again, our employees are like our listeners as well in that sense, um, if there's any radio heads. But they're the ones that are living your culture. They're the ones that control your culture. They're the ones that eat, sleep and breathe your culture, whether you like it or not. You can do all the fun stuff. You can get the ping pong table and all the stereotypical fun things. But unless you actually listen to what your people have to say and then action that feedback, you're at absolutely nothing. Um, and I think that's what we've learned. You know, there is an element of, okay, look, manage the expectations as well, um, because sometimes you can do so much and then there's that kind of feeling of, okay, well, what's next? And you do need to get that balance right. Um, but yeah, so to summarize it all, be human, do what works for you and listen to your people. And I think the three of those actually tie in quite nicely together. That's great. That's great advice, Rachel. And, and of course, you can be inspired by other workplaces. Definitely. Other parts of society, sports, things like that. Yeah. And, and kind of bring some stimulus back. But you've got to make it work for yourself and your own organization. I can completely agree. And, and 
Um, you talked about listening there, Rachel, and the importance of of having listening tools, right? So um, I think, oh, well, I know a hot topic at the moment for, for many, many of our listeners is kind of what are other organizations doing in terms of their current way of working? Yeah, um, yeah. So you're really interested in kind of the approach at the moment uh, in terms of your way of working. Yeah, I mean, being honest for us, and, and this does link into the human approach, we have adapted a, an approach, which is do what works best for you. So when COVID first happened, and we were actually one of the first companies in Ireland to make that move to remote working, which we're obviously quite proud of. Um, but when we first made that move, we were all working from home. It was the first time we had ever <laughs> worked remotely. But yeah, so we found ourselves in this brand new territory and it's taken a long time to get to where we are now and to get to a place where we're comfortable with the way we're working and comfortable with letting our employees decide what works best for them. And at the moment, that is what works best for them. So for me, you know, I appreciate remote working. I work remotely most of the time. Um, but we did make a, a quite a large investment into our offices whereby our Kilkenny HQ now has been fully revamped. So our space there was previously rows and rows of desks, whereas now it is a space for collaboration. Um, and it's probably a step in a much more tech direction. Um, but we've got you know, open plan flooring, we've got couches, we've got comfy seats where um, if you want to curl up and kind of get comfy with your laptop or if you want a meeting room, um, you can do that as well. We've got a state-of-the-art presentation theatre. So having all of those, and again, when I spoke about using the resources available to you, we now have this really, really cool space and a really functional space as well. But we're not for forcing employees to come back. And that was a big decision we made. Like, I think August 2020, um, we made the decision to kind of commit to a future of flexibility. So taking it back to 2019, we never had remote working. So the extent of flexibility at Clune Tech was staggered start and finish hours. And they weren't really staggered because they were in your contract. So it meant that when you were signing your contract, you could say, yeah, listen, I want to work from half eight till five instead. And um, so, you know, very, very limited flexibility. Um, but then ironically, December 2019, um, we worked with yourselves and the team. We had started a remote working pilot um, that, you know, the rest is history. Like it just got so quickly and unexpectedly ramped up um, come kind of February, March. But I think from there, you know, August, we committed then, we said, look, we're going to do flexible working. And we made a couple of measures. So introducing part-time roles, we had said hybrid at the time. So we very much said, look, we're probably going to say, you know, mandate two days in the office or three days in the office. And being honest, we just went, why? <laughs> why do we need to? <laughs> you know, what we're doing now is working. Um, and, you know, there's a huge level of accountability um, for our staff, obviously. So, um, you know, they have quite a big responsibility. Managers have quite a big responsibility. Um, but, you know, they've they've taken it in their stride and um, it's amazing. I look back to a couple of years ago and to where we are now. And I do think COVID did speed up the efforts, but I, I do think deep down we would have gotten here. But I don't think it would have been within the space of three years. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Rachel, because because Laura in a previous episode um, talked about how COVID was really good for them as yeah. an organization in terms of building a sense of teamness and 
actually bringing them closer together. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even the point I said, like one of the learnings about being human, I mean, and I was on a call this morning and um, my my in-laws actually live behind us in a granny flat, but we have a doggy door in between. But um, my nephew, who's three, likes to come in and out the doggy door as well. So uh, at mid-call, I hear little footsteps. He knows how to open the door, come in, you know, but again, that's something you laugh about. I turned the camera around, said, look, say hi to everyone. He's in the sweet press. Ha ha. You know, so I think without trying to a lot of companies have just experienced the the way of life that would have been called a hiccup or you know an interruption before but it's just life you know what I mean so um I love it I just think everything has gone so much more personal and again it's forced companies to become more personal and I think it's the companies that don't kind of grab that with both hands and appreciate it and leverage it as well are the ones that are going to lose out. So we can talk about the great resignation and all that jazz, right? I, th- I think half of it's a myth. Look, turnover is natural. I think no one wanted to leave their job during COVID, right? So it, it was always inevitable that people were probably going to say, okay, right, what's new um, or what's next? But at the same time, you know, you need to still ensure that people do want to work for you and stay with you for many, many years. So being more human and kind of going with the flow I think there's an element of winging it as well um, you know where you have to kind of say look uh, this is the card we've been dealt with we can either go yeah cool let's go or we can push against it which is never going to work we love a big term don't we the great resignation and like I believe we should always kind of have a great resignation yeah. for our culture where mm. you know how do we keep our people and I think as well, there, there's an element of fearing turnover. Um, and our CEO and founder, Terry Clooney, is a very, very forward thinker. And he's often kind of quoted saying, listen, we appreciate people leaving because without, you know, if, if turnover didn't exist, companies have the same employees, the same ideas, the same work ethic, everything stays the same. And we as humans, right, we hate change. But we do need a level of change to thrive and to experience and to grow. And I think it's very much the same for corporates and for for employers. Um, But like Terry is often quoted saying that where, um, you know, we've seen in in the past a lot of employees come back to us. And so it's like that boomerang, boomerang effect where they might go to a different company, get a couple of years experience and then end up back with us. So as he says, listen, they've learned so much with that company. And even if they don't come back to us again, they're kind of paving the way for new people to come in. Now, look, tenure is is gold. You know what I mean? At the same time, loyal employees that want to work for you for a very long time, um, they're golden. You know, they they really are. But at the same time, I do think you need a level of turnover to to progress and to excel and and to exceed as well. Absolutely, completely agree, Rachel. And and so think about the new way of working. So, um, the option is there for yeah team members to choose how they want to work do they contract with their local manager or how does that work so it, again it's it's very much down to the team right so if you take me for example i'm living about an hour away from the office um a waterford woman working in kilkenny very fun at all ireland time um mm-hmm. but i'm in the office when i need to so when i say i need to that could be because i'm filming we're doing a piece with the CEOs um, on video. We have to be there. Or me needing to might be because I need to get out of my house and I just want company around me while I'm working. Um, it can be anything. 
what we found is a lot of teams have just started doing what's best for them. So naturally, there's been this kind of um, this nearly internal kind of revolution where you've got some teams that might come in once a week, they have their team meeting on site. Other teams might do once a month, they might do a full day together, they might do lunch. Um, and then some people just flitter in and out. Some people are there every day. They hate working from home. Um, and I think that's a, that's definitely a big learning is what works for one employee isn't going to work for another. And I think that in itself has had a huge impact on our engagement initiatives on our events um, we've kind of stopped the massive big ticket constant events so before covid we would have had everything on site so you know uh, health and well-being week we'd have random charity events spinathons we've kind of stripped that back a bit so we still have our flagship Christmas party our summer party obviously we could not get rid of them and um, but what we've actually done is is with our great place to work team we've started smaller great place to work events and um, so our team are quite prominent internally and they are called our great place to work team and um, they're all volunteers by myself obviously it's it's within my role but we've got an amazing team of volunteers across the companies across departments but what we've started doing is like doing capacity events. So say limiting it to like 30 people. So, you know, we've gone zip lining in Castle Comer in Kilkenny, which was absolutely breathtaking, right? Um, Sounds great and horrific. It, yeah, great and horrific. I um I had a, a new team member join only about two weeks before Lauren. She's incredible. Um, but she, like she obviously came along and I thought she was going to quit there and then. I was like, if you don't want to do it, it's fine. I promise you can still have your job. Um, but yeah, like we've done events like that. Um, we did a cleanup for World Earth Day back in April. We've gone kayaking down the river in Great Namana. But the whole idea is they are limited to 30 people, but they're first come, first served. So we're getting a really nice mix of employees. Again, sometimes you'll get a full team that'll take part and they'll say listen there's seven of us can we join yep I don't mind who comes just as long as we fill the places and even just that again the events themselves we're looking at doing a um, escape room for the next event or like a bowling bring your own beer party so again the people that mightn't get in a kayak or mightn't zip line um across the republic of ireland's longest zip line we were told not ireland anymore apparently there's something going on up north um but you know they, they have the the i suppose ability to join in on other events as well well that's amazing so capacity events it's the first time yeah. i've heard that sort of phrase you create a bit of urgency as well by it sort of yeah. being limited i guess right yeah definitely yeah and again like everything is is done quite fairly work vivo is the center of all of our communication so it's literally as simple as you email our great place to work team we get you on the list and it does it creates that sense of urgency it's kind of nice as well because there is that sense of urgency so you lose the oh, well, I'll go if you go, which is a really common thing. Anyone that organizes any employee events um, knows the way it is. And it's like, oh, well, I'm going to go if this person goes and you're trying to get numbers and it's a nightmare. Um, but it's worked really well for us. And we still have our virtual events. Um, you know, we we do a lot through Leia Healthcare and they're brilliant. They've got their digital gym, um, which we avail of for our staff. We've got webinars. And I think, again, this year, it it, it has been that element of stripping it back. So 
trying to focus in on, I suppose, more niche topics. So we recently had um, a webinar on menopause and how to kind of cope with menopause in the workplace. Um, we had um, a webinar for World Stroke Day recently um, to kind of help people identify if someone is going through a stroke. But again, there are more niche webinars that don't, you know, cost a huge amount rather than doing one huge event that not everyone might be interested in. So, um, you know, it's, it's been very much a, a learning curve, but, um, you know, we've enjoyed every, every second of it, to be honest. It's great. And, and I know you mentioned the great place to work team there a few times, Rachel, and just yeah. for our listeners, that's your internal working team. Yeah. That's not you yet. <laughs> another listening tool, I guess, in terms of yeah. kind of listening, taking feedback from, from, from people and, and kind of actioning from that, which is, which, which is, which is great. Um, so for organizations out there and for listeners out there, of which there is many that are still trying to land on their current way of working. Now, I know your approach might evolve as, as things move, yeah. right? which is great, right? Um, any advice for them in terms of things to do before they reach that decision in terms of their current way of working? Yeah, well, I think one thing I would say is look at the pros and cons of either approach. So look, for us, we have our headquarters in Kilkenny. Um, one of the biggest pros for us was uh, of adapting the, the way we're working is that we can now hire people all over Ireland. So we have employees in Donegal and in um, the far off side of Kerry that don't have to make an eight hour commute to get to our office. And I think that in itself is incredible. And um, it's opened up a, a world of opportunities. And that's just in Ireland. I mean, obviously, globally as well, we have benefited from um, the lack of an on-site presence um, and needing people in person. Um, and it's, it's, look, the way we work, that's not going to work for everyone. So we've had to really overhaul, I suppose, the trust we have in our employees. And, and that's been a big effort that, again, we were kind of forced into with COVID. Um, the remote working pilot we had started in 2019, that was 10% of our staff, where we said, look, we'll trial it six months. We'll see how it goes. We'll get feedback from the employees as well as from the managers. We'll see if productivity has been impacted. And it was, you know, it was very granular. It was very much a, a tedious kind of task, but we knew we had to provide some level of flexible working. We knew back then in 2019, because we saw it, we were losing staff to companies that were offering remote working um, or people that could, you know, work on their commute to the office because they traveled by train or whatever it might be. Um, so I think we went with it. We had to. And, now, and I say we had to, and, and being brutally honest, you know, we are a financial services company. So we could have remained on site. And that actually is a very important point to mention as well. Um, we were considered essential services. We, you know, we do transfer money back and forth. Um, so if we really wanted to, we could have um, remained on site, but we didn't because we knew that wasn't what was best for our people. And we knew we didn't need them on site um, to get their job done. So again, I think people that are looking at maybe adopting a remote approach or a hybrid approach flexible um, they need to kind of be prepared to adjust not only the way they think but probably the level of trust they have in their people but equally trust them to get the job done these are people that um, you know as I say they're all adults <laughs> um, you know like 
they're, they, they're all highly trained and highly experienced and highly talented people um, that are more than capable of getting the job done. But we as an employer need to trust them to do that. Um, and, you know, it says so much about your culture. Um, so, yeah, look at the pros. Like I said, it can open up a world of opportunities if you're struggling to fill certain roles. Um, you know, being more flexible in your approach can be really beneficial and um, but I think equality as well is a huge thing and this obviously is is underlying in a lot of elements of culture but you cannot tell one person um yeah you can work from home as often as you want and not make that available now obviously um you know there's certain outliers like pharma okay you need people on site um on a line and then you've got your admin team that can work remotely i obviously don't mean those people right um i'm not expecting people to to fill a line from their house but you know in all seriousness like your approach needs to be consistent across the board it needs to be fair um you're going to end up annoying people if you make it a kind of thing where one person can benefit from remote working and another one doesn't um but give people the option i have a friend living in the netherlands and um, she moved there with the promise that an office was going to be set up and basically the company never did and she now is looking elsewhere because she wants an office to work from and she doesn't want to sit in her room all day she lives alone so you know you need to appreciate that again like i said what works for one employee won't work for another as well. And that's so, so important. I think I love the piece around kind of doing a pilot study as, as well. Mm -hmm. right? So for anyone that's kind of afraid or there's a leadership team or afraid to dive right in, then, you know, well, let's do a study and, and let's take a percentage of the organization and let's yep. draw learnings and, and let's go from there. And, and I know you touched upon it as well, the work that you've done in the Kilkenny office yeah, in terms of that space and, that creates more opportunity for meaningful connection than yeah. people come together, right? And we did get our ping pong table. You know, we got our ping pong table. We've got a little um, putting, putting green out the front. But, you know, and like, I know we laugh when we say the ping pong table, but in all seriousness, I get it. I get it now. You know, people on their lunch, they're having chats over a game of ping pong or, you know, it's a fun way to delegate work as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think having that space where people can come in is amazing. And again, look, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not kind of disillusioned either. I know not every company will be able to say, yeah, do what you want, guys, but we'll have this space waiting if you want to come in. We are in a lucky position where we can do that. Um, so again, it's about doing what works for you. Any experience, Rachel, with leaders that might be struggling with the new way of working, right? For whatever reason, and kind of how yeah. do you engage with them? Be okay. Look, being completely honest, our and this is not at all like a fluffy answer, but our CEOs were not for remote working at all. They are now. So in terms of struggling, they're not struggling, right? They they're do like they've genuinely done such a u-turn in their mentality towards it but even at that right we back in 2019 had to really pitch the remote working piece um and there were a huge amount of reservations um you know there was the fear the lack of the unknown or the fear of the unknown lack of trust um and again you know it's it's about having a really frank and honest conversation with that leader. Obviously, stats, if you can give um, clear black and white stats on productivity, um, that would be incredible. 
in the space that we're in, we're a group of companies, it can be quite hard to get just a simple, here's productivity, right? Um, but trial it, you know, see, see how it goes. What's the worst that could happen, right? You do it, it goes awfully. Okay, well, then we're not going to roll out um, remote working or hybrid working because it doesn't work for us. But again, if you're trialing it, it's not just for it's not just to prove a point to leadership. It's also for your staff as well. So if you trial it and it doesn't go well, you need to do it really well where you're, you know, you're recording everything, you're monitoring everything so that you can then go to your staff if it does or doesn't work and say, listen, either great job, you know, here's how it went. A lot of the time, I think staff will have that kind of responsibility to you know still perform obviously and I again I'm making the assumption that most companies are reluctant to offer remote working and staff want remote working again that's not necessarily correct so um you know but definitely monitor record everything use stats like you can't argue with stats you know you, you just can't it's as easy as that so obviously you know your anecdotal stories about how it's helped this person um, and the, how the flexibility has helped get this employee into this role and back into the workforce they're great but unless you have it in black and white so that can be things like you know your turnover um like our retention i think went up 30 percent during covid um where a lot of companies did suffer from the, the great resignation I think our referrals, I, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but employee referrals um, have gone up, I think, to like 200% or something insane like that. Um, and again, I do think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, the level of flexibility that we are giving our people. Well, an employee referral. So this is this is current employees recommending yep. somebody that they, they know. To yep. Exactly. And look, we all know the value of a referral. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because that's, you know, you could do a full podcast on that. But again, your employees are more likely to refer people that will be culture fits. Um, you know, those people, again, have that person that they know in the company. They're more likely to do a good job because they've got kind of the extra layer of guilt, I suppose, where someone's neck is on the line, um, you know, but we all know how valuable referrals are. So um, to see ours increasing is is brilliant. But I do think a lot of that has to do with flexibility. Um, and it's it's amazing. Like I, I, I'm i doing out the, the RSVPs for the Christmas party um, now, which is like our flagship event. Um, we rent out the Lyrath in Kilkenny. It's stunning, but it's just such an amazing day, right? Um, but I was doing that out and I copped one of our long-term employees. His wife has joined the company. You know, and I just went, is, and you know, he was blackguard and he was saying, oh, are we the only couple in the group? I said, no, you're not at all. We actually have a lot of, um, a lot of couples, some some that actually, I suppose, came from within the workplace and, um, you know, some that would have liked that possibly joined in around the same time. But to me, to like, to see that someone would encourage their wife, not just a friend, not just someone that they know, their cousin's cousin, like that's their partner and they're saying hey you should actually work for us and um, there's a job there you should go for it I just think that's amazing I think that's like top tier referral you'd want to be really evil to recommend somebody you know <laughs> a culture that isn't that and, but that's what I mean you know that but that's the reality of it right and I think as well you know we're we're all human and and I think Irish people in particular we we get guilty over the most random things and I always wonder about referrals in other companies you know 
are they as nerve wracking? It's like, okay, I'm going to put this person's CV in and, you know, and you're going, oh God, I hope they do a good job. And, you know, but I do think that is a real, it's embedded into us. You're like, oh, and it's anything, you know, yourself, if you're recommending a plumber and electrician, you're going, they better not screw that up. Um, So I, I do think it probably is a cultural thing, but again, yeah, like you said, like, you know, to us, that is, it's incredible to see people saying, hey, I've worked here for X amount of years or even months, but I think you'd really enjoy it. So that's, you know, that like that's top tier pat on the back. <laughs> Rachel, last question before we chat about Disney. <laughs> I love it. So how do you see the approach evolving kind of over the next year or so? Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think a lot of companies are probably going to I say become quite similar to us as if every company in the world knows of clean tech and knows of me and our approach to working but I do I think the more individual approach is going to become the norm in my opinion um I think people have become a lot more vocal about how they feel and what they want and what they expect and there is a level of managing expectations but there's also an element of you need to deliver you know, you, you owe it to your people to to deliver a certain amount. And again, within reason. Um, but I mean, for us, like our culture has changed and not to kind of go away from the question, but just to give the listeners a really, really good insight. But like in the last couple of years, some of the things we've introduced, and I often say that I think for a long time we were playing catch up. Um, we were an Irish company that were competing with the big boys and girls in tech, um, but we weren't quite there yet. And I think being honest we're finally at a place where we can compete um but things like healthcare you know back in or actually last year sorry 2021 um we increased our healthcare to 100% paid and we increased our pension this is all in addition to the the commitment to flexibility um but things like this year uh, we did summer flex hours so you know you build up your hours you can finish early on a friday we have life work days now so literally a, a half day every quarter to just get your bits done like whether that's getting your nails done whether that's the nct on the car there's no eligibility criteria and staff can use it however they want and you know, things like that. We've upped our annual leave. We added company days. So like we have come from like very much started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like it is, <laughs> you know, it is that in a nutshell where we're not this company. And I don't want anyone listening to think, oh, but should they 1500 staff or should they have all of this? We didn't. And I can promise you that we have genuinely taking this approach we've got kind of our our schedule for the year you know you come online you get well online now you give us our great place to work results early in the year we have the the ceremony generally february march we've a great night with yourself and the team but then we break it down so we do our focus groups from then myself and the great place to work team meet our ceos we go through everything with them we give proposals we give best practice examples so you know it's a cycle. It's a journey. And I think you need to really just step into it, strap yourself in and enjoy the ride. So in terms of in the next 12 months, um, I do think a lot of companies are going to kind of say, OK, um, you know, what do you want? OK, well, you do that like you do you what works for you. Um, and it's not easy. Look, I mean, from an admin standpoint, I'm sure there's HRBPs and HR admins that are listening going, oh my God, how do we track that on core? And how do we create a policy that encompasses that? Um, and by all means, like if, if anyone wants to reach out and say, 
listen, any advice or, you know, look at a policy or whatever it might be, we'd be happy to help because I do think we're all in this together. Not not to quote High School Musical, I'm really, really leading into the Disney uh, at the end, but we are all in this together, you know, and I obviously best workplaces it is a competition we all want to be number one but at the same time if we work together I think we can collectively provide employees both in Ireland and all over the world with an incredible experience whatever that looks like to them yeah of course and there's no perfect workplace right but we can continue to listen continue to act continue to to evolve yeah Let's let's have a chat about Disney. So 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 let's. for listeners, Rachel is a is a massive Disney fan. You'd be okay with me saying that, right? Yeah, of course. Fine. What's your favorite Disney movie? Oh, do you know what? I like. like it's there. like asking you to pick your favorite child. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's impossible. You know, look, recent years, I think Disney went through a period where they kind of they got lost a bit. You know, but then like Moana, who doesn't love Moana? And like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, like um he was actually on Today FM recently and he was just brilliant. Like he was incredible. But um yeah, I, I think recently Moana, I used to love um Pocahontas. I actually have videos from when I was a child um going around pretending I was Pocahontas. So um yeah, ha- have to give an honorable mention. Okay, so Moana and Pocahontas. I'm actually Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I, I was dopey um um <laughs> play in school um, and we, we were doing a play Snow White and Seven Dwarfs and we, we said okay we've got to pick the names of the dwarfs and kind of almost like they practiced it everyone turned at the same time and said well you're going to be dopey so there we no, go no comment Carl I'll, I'll reserve any any judgment on that one <laughs> we might delve into that again um, any, <laughs> any favourite shows at the moment that you're watching on any of these Netflix Disney streaming channels oh. Oh, geez, these are really tough. You only said favorite movie, etc. Carl. Um, but do you know what? I watched something called The Old Man recently. Um, thriller. Um, don't know what streaming platforms it's on. It was on the dodgy box. Don't come for me. Um, yeah. but it was incredible. Really, really good series. Think about seven episodes. Um, and then uh, Canaan. Uh, the story or storybook of Canaan. Um, it's a spin-off from Power on Netflix. Um, brilliant. I love a thriller. I think people think I'm just about Disney. I'm kind of the opposite. Um, like watching uh Jeffrey Dahmer at the minute as well. And uh so strange, but you know, you got you gotta watch it, Carl. You gotta watch it. It lure, as strange as it is, it it lure, it lures you in. I love the way we talked about the dodgy box there as well. We won't we won't yeah. <laughs> skip over that, cut it out. <laughs> Rachel, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been a pleasure, and thank you very much to you and Clune Tech for their partnership. Congratulations on your continued success. Thank you for having us. Survey goes live, um, I think a month from this Friday. So uh, ho- hopefully it'll still be all positive vibes again in 2023. Journey continues. Talk to you soon. See you later. Thanks, Gal. Red Cube listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. Please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already done so. And of course, leave us a review and tell us what topics would you like us to cover 